Between 1986 and 1989, four separate double murders occurred in the Tidewater area of Virginia. These murders would become known as the Colonial Parkway Murders. Are these murders the work of a serial killer, a team of serial killers, or are four separate individuals responsible for these homicides? Join us as we conclude our series on the Colonial Parkway Murders and dive into the darkness, one crime at a time. Welcome to One Crime at a Time. I am your host, Shannon. With me, as always, my sister from the same, Mr. Christina. Hi. What's going on? Not a lot. I got a second job. <laughs> Which has really hindered our, our, our abilities here. <laughs> but if you must, you must. Hey, I do what I, I do. Well, I don't guess I really had to take a second job, but, you know, they needed somebody. And, well, you know. So, I here we are. That. I know that uh, we've been... Jerking you guys around, sorry. We're going to get better. I, I, just, we're going to finish this Colonial Parkway murders, and then I'm taking a month off. You, can, vir- then, you can virtually slap us. Yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> she actually just slapped. I did. <laughs> you said it would be virtual. That's right. Well, for them. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And we are coming back, and then we will be good from there on out so yes you can just hang with us what we're going to be putting some of our other episodes of our other podcast out in the sticks we're going to put some of those on our feed for the next few weeks and let you guys get a taste of that just just to see if you enjoy it it's pretty funny it's funny it's it's informative and (laughs) i don't know how good it is oh it's good it's funny and it's informative and you know hopefully you'll enjoy it yes if you don't, Hopefully. don't, you know, you that's don't have good to too. listen. You don't, that's it's fine. fine. We understand. Just don't be mean because I cry. <laughs> You're such a baby. I'm very sensitive here lately. <laughs> You're not pregnant, are no. you? No. God, no. <laughs> I mean, I love kids. What are you talking about? God, no. I don't want any of those brats running around. <laughs> I love kids, just not my own. I don't want any of my own. <laughs> I want ones I can give back at the uh, end of the day. <laughs> that I, that's what I'm looking forward to. About somewhere to somebody to take them. I love somebody else's kids though. Yeah. I'll take care of them all day long until well, it's you time can, for them to go you can home. Have mine. Take care of them all you want. Not a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we need to get started because we. It's per, this one's going to be a pretty long one. Uh-oh. Uh oh. First, want to say we're we're brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. You guys are awesome. We yes. appreciate you greatly. If you want to be awesome too, you can for as little as a dollar a month. Wow. The rest of you are awesome, <laughs> also. You can show your support for the show. We have several levels that include access to our exclusive Patreon feed, mini subs, merchandise, commercial-free episodes. So go check that out. You really are screwed up here lately, aren't you? Well, <laughs> You're talking about it on Patreons. Uh-huh. People are awesome. Patreon people are awesome. They are, but so are the rest I was of just saying that they could be even more awesome if they wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know I'm shit. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> All right. We're also brought to you by Audible. You can visit audibletrial.com slash one crime and receive a 30-day free trial. So if there's yes. any books you've been wanting to listen to, go 
you know, just go get the 30-day free trial and cancel it. You for, people that like, that pe- for people that like listening to books, that's great, but I'd rather read it. Uh, I'm I don't, just boring Well, this is for people way. that don't have time to I'm read I'm boring books, that way. Like me. I have to listen to books because I don't have time to read But if them. you've got time to sit and listen to it. Well, I can do that while I'm working at work. That's what I do. Okay. I multitask. I'm just saying. Because I'm a professional. <laughs> at what? Everything. Everything. That um. doesn't include anything important. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Um... Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to read this week's review that we're going to read. Oh, still only one? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just doing one a week. I've already told but you guys. But we missed like how many weeks? Well, I don't care. I'm just going okay, to okay. we're only doing one. That's the rule. That's okay. my rule. And that's just how it's going to be. And she's not changing it. I'm not changing it. This comes to us um, via Apple Podcast from T- Timothy Twiggs. It says, very authentic. I really enjoy the authenticity of the host. It is clear these sisters have a loving yet sometimes <laughs> confrontational relationship. <laughs> Try more confrontational. But yeah, that, yeah, that's what we are. <laughs> Says they are just themselves and don't try to hide it. It's no. like sitting around having a real conversation with a couple of real Southern gals. See that—that's what we're going for. Thanks, Timothy, <laughs> get it. <laughs> Thanks for getting it. Thanks for getting us, because we are a little out there. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate ya. All right. Okay. Don't do that again, please. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will never do that again. Please never. Okay. All right, so we're going to get back into the Colonial Parkway murders. Is this the last one? This is the last one. We are going to talk about, we're really going to discuss whether or not we think these are all connected. or Well, we're never we going to know because three of the crime scenes were messed up before they could even <laughs> investigate them. So we'll never know. We're going to discuss. We're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> we're going to talk about, before I was so rudely interrupted, whether these are cases are connected or whether they are not connected if they were separate murders, murderers. So that's what we're doing here. Well, they would be separate murders, too, if it was separate well, murderers. Yeah. So either one of those would have been. Well, correct. they're all separate murders, whether or not they were committed <laughs> by the same person or not. They're all separate murders. True, but boom. I'm just saying that either boom. one of those terms would have been okay. Dropping the boom on you. I'm rusty. Let's <laughs> so I want to go through and point out the similarities that these four cases have in common. One is that in each of the murders, the victims were white couples who all appeared to be in their 20s. Now, there are a few caveats here. Robin Edwards was 14, but she did appear to be older than she was. And Kathy Thomas was 27, but she appeared to be younger than she actually was. So... But she was still in her 20s, though. Yeah, true. Now, Anna Marie and Daniel weren't technically a couple. However, a stranger would have no way of knowing that if he just saw them together. And in all but one case, the couples were a man and a woman. And the exception was the murders of Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, who were a lesbian couple. But it may have been uh, that Becky Dowski, she had short hair. Her okay. hair was cut short. So it could be that someone mistook her for a man and thought that 
it was that it was a man and a woman. That's a possibility. And that may be even that might explain why in that murder that it led to an overwhelming the overwhelming violence that appeared in that one mur- in that first murder because those two girls they were um they were cut so bad at the throat that they were almost like Kathy was almost decapitated. Okay. So maybe somebody was thinking that they had a man and a woman and then realized it was a lesbian couple and their plan was messed up. I don't know, but could be. Just I'm just throwing that it out could, there. And it also could be why those are the only two that were left in the car. Yeah. Now See, I remembered that. <laughs> Yay. Yay me. <laughs> Now, all but one of the murders involved a vehicle that was left abandoned. The exception was Thomas Dowski, whose bodies were found, like you just said, in the car, and an attempt had been made to get rid of the car. Now, this was the first set of murders, so maybe the killer learned that it's kind of hard to get rid of a car, (laughs) and and instead chose to just abandon the vehicles in the subsequent murders. Mm Mm-hmm. And while we're on the subject of vehicles, another thing that seems similar in all these cases is that it does appear that the murders did not take place in the locations where the vehicles no were blood. found. There's no blood, yeah. and there would be blood, especially in that first one. There yeah. would be blood no, that, would, that would have been a bloody sight. Now, because investigators have never been able to locate the scene where any of the eight victims have been killed, it's believed that the killer in each crime of course, chose to kill in one location, abandon the vehicles in another location, and the bodies in an even in another location. Okay, and I'm sorry, you're not going to have four different people that are going to do that. Well, we're just going to. I mean, into I'm just it. I'm just saying. <laughs> as for me, I don't think that that yeah. would happen. Now, in two cases, the victims' bodies were recovered a short distance from where the vehicles had been abandoned. The only exceptions, of course, were the first murder, Kathy and Becky who were found inside the car, and then the third murder of Cassandra and Keith, whose bodies have never been found. But it could be that they were close at first. Something could have drugged them off, or the creek could have washed them down and they were never found. Or I mean, there's a lot of things that could have happened before they actually went looking for them. Yeah. It was believed that the victims had been led away from their vehicles at gunpoint by someone that they deemed an authority figure. And in all of these cases, the car windows were down, wallets were out, as if preparing to show ID, and in two of the cases, the glove box was open, like maybe they were going to grab the registration. All of the murders took place on weekends and at night. And in at least two of the four murders, the crimes had taken place on a holiday weekend. The first murder was Columbus Day weekend, 1986, and the last was Labor Day weekend of 1989. Also, three of the four cases happened either in September or October. The exception to this was the third set of murders, which happened in April. The locations of these four crimes seem to happen fairly close together within a span of 30 miles or so. The crime scenes discovered by police in the first and third crimes, which were the Thomas Dowski and the Call Haley disappearance, were less than a mile apart, and the victims' bodies from the second crime, which was David Nobling and Robin Edwards, were found less than five miles away 
from where the victims in the fourth crime, which was Daniel Lauer and Anna Marie Phelps, had been found. So it's all in this one general area. Maybe it's a hermit that lives in the woods. <laughs> He's walking 30 miles. They walk a long way. <laughs> Is that what hermits do? That's what they do. They don't have anything else to do. Think about it. One day we need to tell the story of Leatherman. Do you know who Leatherman is? No. Okay, well, he's a guy that, just as a side note here, that back in the 1800s, he he had a circle up around Connecticut, the Connecticut area, where he just walked in a circle for like six weeks. He would walk, and he would stop at the same places every time There's he walked a guy that circle. Out in, I think it's <laughs> Oregon that lives... <clears throat> Like a hermit in the woods now, and he says he walks like 40 miles So a he's day. a serial killer? Is that what you're saying? He could be. Okay. Well, we'll have to look up. Somebody needs to go check on that guy. <laughs> if he's a hermit, how do you know about him? Because they've done a television show on well, him. Well, he's not too hard to find. Well, he's not a hermit anymore, I guess, since they did a TV <laughs> show on him. But I he was. I think he's full of shit. <laughs> but I'm just saying, that's, I mean, what else have they got to do? I'm just saying. Now, all of the locations where the bodies and cars were found were all high-risk areas. You had the Colonial Parkway and Ragged Island, both of which were dark and secluded and eerie at night. Then you had the rest area on I-64. And I don't know, honestly, if I could think of a more dangerous place to be than a roadside rest area at night in the 1980s. For real. <laughs> Even today. Have you seen that movie called Rest Stop? No. Don't watch it. You will never stop at another rest stop again in your but life. a rest area at night in the 1980s. Even today. There is no more dangerous place to be ever. Even today. I wouldn't stop at one. Oh, no. <laughs> I stop at them. Mm-mm. I mean, not after watching that movie. <laughs> nope. It doesn't really. They're not, they're not as scary to me as they like they used to be. They're this more, more updated. But, I mean. But in the 80s, that was a bad place to be. Now, in all but one case, it was believed that the victims had been led away from their vehicles at gunpoint by someone they deemed an authority figure. Like I said earlier, the car window's down while it's out. Some also point out that water may have been a similar factor and may have been important to the killer in some way. In the Tomaszowski murder, the killer tried to push the car in the water. Edwards and Nobling's bodies were found in the water. In Call Haley, the car was found near water and police thought that it was possible the two bodies had been thrown in the York River. Now, I'm not really convinced this was so much about water being important to the killer. Or that, that there was just a lot of water right, around. Right, that was my point. I or mean, more about the fact that the area that the killer was operating in was, just I mean, was essentially water. surrounded by water. He, I mean, he pretty much couldn't kill anybody right. anywhere without being close to water. Right, except for Phelps and Lauer. Who were not found near water because there wasn't, there was they were in water. an area where there wasn't I can water. Hear, though he may not have known the water was there, but, but there was some water, a creek or but something. But my point close is, by. he didn't he didn't move them to a place because he didn't know it was right. There. I mean, he was just it was just for convenience because that's yeah. where he was, which makes me think that it's really right. not I don't water think, was yeah. important. It's just where he was. But um, I mean, he used it to his advantage. But yeah, you know, I'm going to point out a few differences. The cause of death. In the first case, the victims had been strangled and had their throats slit. In the second case, the victims were shot to death. Two of the victims' bodies were never recovered, so we don't know how they died. 
and the other two have decomposed to the point that their cause of death remains pretty much undetermined, although we think that they were stabbed based on the nick found on Anna Marie's finger. Remember the they the but, guy the, but, the Smithsonian found a nick on her thumb. I mean not her thumb but her third finger. So we don't know for sure if if they were stabbed, if they were shot. Now the it obviously they weren't shot in the head because they would have known that. There would have been a bullet hole in the in the skull. But it doesn't mean that they weren't stabbed somewhere where it didn't hit a bone. I mean, not stabbed, not shot somewhere where they didn't hit a bone or something. Uh, it so. could have been a lot of places, actually. Yeah. Anywhere where you hit an artery and they die slowly. But, mm -hmm. but just, I mean, those are differences, and I'll agree on that. But that still doesn't mean it wasn't the same person because not all serial killers kill all their victims in the same way. Yeah, now this would indicate different attackers at each crime scene, but some think this might have been a clever ruse by the killer to try and confuse investigators mm -hmm. using a different M.O. in each crime to keep the investigators second-guessing. It could also mean that there was more than one killer. It could mean that, but there's too many similarities to go back and say this definitely was not the same person because they killed them in a different way. Yeah. I mean, there are several serial killers. I mean, most of them, yes, kill in the same way. They're, but they're, they're, most of them have a signature, though. They and do, and but there's some that don't. That's yeah. one reason that they've never been found. Okay, second thing, treatment of the bodies. In the first murder, the bodies were left in the car. In the second murder, the bodies were left in the water. Um, in the third, the bodies were successful, successfully concealed so well that we don't even know to this day where they're at. And the fourth, the bodies were concealed long enough to not for us not to be able to know the cause of death. They were laid out next to each other with a blanket over them. None of this is the same. None of this is the same disposal. No, but I still can't. I'm not going to. I mean, I, I'm not telling you that it was a serial killer, but I still can't lean a away from it because there's just too many similar there's more similarities than there are differences you know it's it does seem that there are more things that these that they have in common than they than the differences yeah. between them i will say that now i can't honestly i have gone back and forth whether or not i think that these are connected or not I go back and forth. Sometimes, I, some days I'm like, well, this, they have to be. And some days I'm like, well, maybe they're not. But let's just get into some theories. I'm just, can I just say one mm -hmm. thing? I'm leaning more towards that they are because there's just way too many similarities in these than not. Yeah. And just because they were not necessarily killed in the same way. Does the, not mean it's not the same person. But to me, those two differences are big differences. But you look okay. But you take a look at the Zodiac killer. Mm -hmm. He didn't necessarily kill but everybody. But you also in the same you way. have to remember that I don't believe that the same person killed was. I don't believe there was a Zodiac killer. I believe there was a Zodiac letter writer. <laughs> but I mean, don't let's, you, let's don't just you go remember the theory, that from? <laughs> let's just go on the theory that there was because that's still how they're still investigating it. Right, which they shouldn't be. <laughs> but I'm just saying they're investigating it as one person, even though they were not all killed in the same way. Right, and that's a big thing for me. I don't, I don't think it was the same killer, but and that's that's why these two things here 
even though they're only two things, they're big things to me. To me, and I'm not saying that I'm right. And and you could and you and you're right. They are big things, but I'm saying that there have been instances where there are some serial killers that did not kill their victims all in the same way. Yeah, of course. But I'm just so saying, that's more all often, I'm saying. I'm saying, saying more often than not, there is an MO. More often than not, you're right. There is. I'm just playing percentages here. They're all, they, <laughs> you're right. But, I mean, you're right. Most of the time, they do it all in the same way. But there are some that have not. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to get into a few theories here. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now, the first theory is that these murders are all linked and were the work of a single serial killer. I don't know that it was a single serial killer. I'm no. not saying that. Yeah. Now, most who subscribe to this theory also believe that the person responsible could be law enforcement, or at least someone pretending to be law enforcement who likely admired the power that kind of authority brought. This would also explain why the victims had gotten out of their vehicles and gone along with their killer willingly. If they believed this person to be a law enforcement agent, they would have felt compelled to comply with their demands, regardless of how bizarre or obscure those demands were. Because if you, if somebody comes up on you at night, shines a light in your face, you think it's an officer, you're going to comply. Now, because at least two of these crimes had been on federal property, it was believed that the culprit could be linked to, to the National Park Service or the FBI, you know, someone who held authority over the parkway. However, I think it's just as likely that the culprit could have been involved with the Virginia State Police because they're all in that area. Yeah, and none of them investigated it real well. Yeah, exactly. A theory has even cropped up over the last several years that the culprit might have been CIA due to the CIA installation being right there at the parkway. Now, a detailed analysis from law enforcement concluded that it was almost a statistical improbability for these four crimes committed over a roughly three-year span in a generally small area to not be linked. There's no way. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a way. I don't think it's impossible. Now, there again, I just said I'm playing the numbers. Now, yes, probably statistically, it would be it, it. It's more likely that it is. It is, but because if you're looking at it through a statistically statistical point of view, that's a hard word to say. Is. Statistical. Statistical. <laughs> Sounds like testicle. I was just fixing to say. <laughs> I don't want to misspeak. Anyway, just saying. I mean, statistically. You would have to say it's the same person. I mean, because if you're looking at everything, and again, we may not even know everything. Well, I mean, we don't know everything. When we're making these assumptions. We don't know everything. I can tell you right now that in these cases, we don't know everything. So, I can't, I, I have to know everything before I can make a point <laughs> Well, you decision. can't know everything about everything. This is why we come here and we just throw these wild theories out. That's our job. I'm going with my. I'm going to stick with my theory that it was. I'm not going to say one single person, but it was done by the same killers. Okay. Well, then killer. you're going to like theory two. The second theory is that these crimes are linked, but that they were perpetrated by at least two or more individuals. I'm thinking so. 
Now, this theory has been around since the first murder because investigators really struggled to determine how Kathy Thomas and Becky Dowski had been killed without a sign of struggle at the crime scene because well, these were two young, fit females. Well, I get that, but the perpetrator I, again, could have had a gun, too. And right, I mean, you're and not going to go against saying. a gun. And again, that, that wasn't the crime scene. Right. Now, Larry McKeon... You know, I have a theory on that. Maybe they did mean to shoot them. But like you said, when they found out both of them were women and one of them wasn't a man, mm -hmm. they got mad and slit their throats instead so they right. would cause more pain. Mm -hmm. So so maybe they did have a gun and meant to shoot them. Well, I think that it's pretty obvious that whoever did this... They had a gun. They had a gun. Because you've got two against one right. if it was one person. Even if it's two against two... The, They're the control fight. that you were able to get over these people <clears throat> to just walk away. I mean, it it it's obvious this you person a had a gun. So it, maybe, all of them, maybe all of them were meant to be shot, and things, and a couple of them just didn't go the right way. And well, we don't. Well, we but we'll know, never know. We don't know. Now, I'm just saying. <laughs> Larry McCann, who we've talked about, um, who's the behavioral science specialist with the Virginia State Police believed that more than one person had been involved in these crimes, but based on the psychological profile he developed. He had stated, quote, I don't think one person could have controlled the victims. I think there needed to be two. These were not easy targets. These were young, healthy, strong individuals. It would have been too much for one person to handle. McCann believed that the murders were committed by two men and that one was more dominant over the other and that perhaps the murder stopped because the less dominant one had died or moved away. He said, quote, without the second person, the killer would be in danger of losing control of the situation, and I think it would be difficult to recruit another follower. But and there that, and again... That could be. But if you've got a gun and you are just got a gun I waving was, it around... I, I was just fixing to say, but if you've got a gun, I'm not going to argue with right. you. And... I you just, know, I just, I, I think that there is a way it could just be one person. I don't and think with it's a gun, the way it could. And you know, he's stating that there's no way. Well, there is a way, which makes leads me more to believe that if there were not two people, there was a gun at every crime scene. Right. Maybe he did intend to just shoot, or she intended mm -hmm. to just shoot all of them. But things in a couple of them just didn't go the way yeah. they planned. Or maybe, maybe like you and, said, they meant they done it to mean to throw people off so they'll never know because they're going to be looking at the way they ki were killed. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people may hear that and say, well, I mean, who's going to think of that? Well, it, I think it's obvious that in these cases, this is a sophisticated killer. All of, all of your serial killers do not go out and kill anybody without premeditating and thinking about it before they do it. Yeah. Any, I mean, I'm going to say his name again, even Ted Bundy. <laughs> Every victim he killed, he thought about it before he did it. Yeah. So, so he had a plan every time. Yeah. Now, the third theory is that the first three cases are connected, but that the murders of Anna Marie and Daniel were committed by a different person. I don't think so. Well, I think and maybe I can that's see possible. Why, I can see why people would think that because of the breast area. It could have been anybody. Well, I get it, but I, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Well, for one difference was the way the bodies were treated. They were covered, 
which may indicate a feeling of remorsefulness, which may indicate that it was someone they knew. A lot of times when someone is murdered by someone they know, they will, their body will be covered. Or it could just be that he covered it, hoping maybe they wouldn't be found. Yeah. And the money that Daniel received from his dad was missing, so motive may have been robbery. In the other cases, robbery does not appear to be the motive. It seemed in the other cases that the killer or killer's motive was simply to kill. They didn't take anything. Right. So, but in the I can see in the last where, one, they they were obviously robbed. Oh, I can see where people would think that's different, but you can't rule out the fact that it could possibly be the person who killed the other three, mm-hmm. too. Now, the fourth theory is that the cases are connected, but that they started earlier than 1986. And that Kathy and Tom, that Kathy Thomas and Becky Dowski were not the first victims. I was going to say, wasn't there more murders on, in that area before then? Well, on August 17th, 1984, Mike, Margaret, and Donna Hall, they were last seen around 11.45 p.m. and were heading out to go camping near Richmond, Virginia. Okay. When they didn't return, when they said that they were going to, the families filed missing persons reports. Right. Now, on August 21st of 1984, the Jeep that the two had gone camping in was discovered backed into an outlet of a rural trail. The person that discovered the Jeep was a retired dentist walking his dog. The vehicle was kind of half-hidden with foliage. That's another hard word, (laughs) foliage. With both of its doors wide open. Okay. He looked inside and saw that the keys were in the ignition. Right, similarity, back in. Yes, door open. Mm-hmm. Window down? Key in the ignition. I don't know. I don't remember if it okay. said that. And he also saw that there was dried blood on the passenger seat. Yeah, that's the first time we've had blood mm-hmm. in the car, though. No, no, there was blood in the first... Um, well, besides but that, that was one, just for them bleeding. That it was, it, it wasn't the amount of blood that they would have bled if they were bleeding out. Right. But, but there I'm was blood. I'm just saying, all of them but that one. Yeah. Because their throats were slit right. and they were put back in the car. Right. That's the first blood without bodies that yeah. was found inside of the car. Right. He then walked around the Jeep and discovered the bodies of the murdered couple about 20 feet away from the vehicle. The bodies were found underneath a checkered red and blue blanket. See, that's a similarity to the last one. Yeah, and the body of Donna was missing in his shoes. And now, if you remember, in the fourth crime uh-huh anna maria was wearing daniel's shoes right instead of her own shoes so maybe there is a thing with the shoes now we know that two in the second murder that robin and that robin's shoes were left in the truck right. we also know that in the third set of murders shoes were left shoes and clothing were left in the car they went skinny dipping <laughs> no they did in not 40 degree weather <laughs> walking down a hill in the dark <laughs> Now, other than the bodies themselves, there was no apparent sign of violence or or foul play. And other than some abandoned cigarette butts and an empty bottle of beer, nothing appeared to have been disturbed. An autopsy revealed that Margaret and Hall had been drugged with Demerol and their throats had been slit sometime between 1 and 2 a.m. on August the 18th, 1984. So, see, I mean, there's a lot of similarities in that, too. Mm -hmm. And you're going back to the throat slitting. Yeah. So maybe 
they were doing throat slit, slitting people's throats, and then decided, well, maybe we should change it up. Maybe it's too messy. Yeah. And just shoot them in the head. And when they couldn't do that all the time, they just killed them however. Now, the blood of a third unknown person was recovered from this crime scene, which was later revealed to be type A blood. This blood had been scattered all over the crime scene as if the killer had been looking for something after injuring themselves. But that case, it went cold, and to this day, they've never found who killed Mike Margaret or Donna Hall. And like I said, there are people who believe that this I'm was, leaning towards is connected to the Colonial connected. Parkway murders. I'm Even though it's in Richmond, but, you know, like we've said, they move serial around. killers have cars. They have cars, <laughs> and they can move all over the unless, unless they're a hermit, <laughs> like you suggested. They're a hermit. <laughs> then they walk. But those hermits can walk a long way. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, <laughs> I don't know why I find that the woods. That's just the hermit. Now, the fifth theory is that these cases are not connected and that there, that there were four different killers. I don't think so. Now, and the, re- and the reason I don't think so is, yes, there are some differences, but there's just way too many similarities exactly the same for four different people to get it exactly right. Yeah. Okay, well, here are some of the reasons people, some more reasons people think that it may be four different killers. Some believe that the first murders of Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski were committed by someone that knew Kathy Thomas. This is because of the brutality that was inflicted on Kathy. Many feel that someone that knew Kathy and Rebecca usually went to park out at the parkway on Thursday nights because that was what they that was their thing. That's how they would kick off the weekend. Well, maybe this person did know them, yeah. and but they some, also killed the other people too. Well, some people think that it was somebody that knew they went out there every Thursday night and that maybe they were lying in wait for them. Because it seemed an extreme amount of anger was directed at Kathy, like we said, her she was almost decapitated. Some feel that she was the main target and it was someone who obviously had something against Kathy. Maybe it was an ex-lover, someone who had a grudge from her Navy days, which... She had only been out of the Navy for four months when she was killed. So, I don't... Or it could have been someone that just didn't like the fact that she was a lesbian. So, I do wonder, speaking of the Navy, how hard they looked at Navy members that Kathy had conflicts with, especially since there was a Navy installation right there nearby where they were killed. Because, you know, there there were some conflicts that she had. There were some conflicts, and I'll agree on that. I just wonder how much that was investigated, and it could have and been investigated fully, and, and we just don't know that. And we, we don't know it because they didn't find anything worth putting out. Yeah, I mean, and like we said, we don't have, all of the files on this have not been right. released, so we don't know everything they know. But I, but that is, I am curious about how far they I went in that investigation. That there, I think that there was a lot of anger towards her, there was. but I don't think that it had to do with, this is my theory, I don't think it had to do with anything. I think that it had to do that they were looking to kill couples. I'm still leaning towards that. Because you said one of them had short hair, so they Mm -hmm. thought that, and then when they did find out they were lesbians, that made them even more mad Mm -hmm. and aggressive. But why just, why just 
maybe she fought back. Maybe. I mean, why? I just don't understand why one. Why? Why inflict that much <sighs> anger on just one? Because you, uh, as you said, she was basically. You said she was a fighter. She yeah. wasn't just gonna lay down for anybody. Yeah, maybe she pissed them off. That's what I'm saying. So maybe she fought back and pissed them off, and that's why. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that mm-hmm. could have been done. Yeah. Now, in the second murder, some, even like David Nobley's father, think that David and Robin were in the wrong place at the wrong time and saw something that they weren't supposed to Well, they were all see. in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> or they wouldn't have been killed. Well, but. you know what he's saying. Now, this theory does make sense due to the fact that they were both shot in the head execution style. It was short and quick just to get, it seems like it was just to get rid of somebody. It didn't seem like it was for the pleasure of killing. But, I, I mean, mean, I guess. It, you I, know, I mean, it was just short and quick. Boom to the head. I still think it was all done by the same. Because there's just too many similarities for me to not say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just pointing maybe out. It, maybe, maybe he's right and they did see something. But it was the killers that they saw and they saw something. <laughs> that would something. just be a big coincidence. <laughs> But you never know because we don't know who the killers were. Well, I'm just saying that it just seems like a different method. Like, we go back to the method. The method just seems different. And it seems like in the first murder, it seemed because they were strangled and then had their throats slit. That's personal. That's taking time. In the And, and then... Um, David and Robin's murder, it just seems like it was quick and to the point. But how, shot do we, in the how do we know what they did to them before they shot them? Well, I mean, they weren't a stra- they, they didn't have any signs of strangulation or anything or any, you know, anything like that. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying that. Well, I mean, you can tell from the body <laughs> if they would have had that. Well, it depends on how quick they were killed after maybe they were beaten. It might not be as bad. I don't think they were beaten. But I mean, it still could. I still, I'm still gonna say that there's just too many similarities. Okay, well, I know that gonna... one's different, but I don't know. It just <laughs> you just want them to be connected. Well, how? I mean, I mean, how I'm could... just saying that this is why these are the things that I go back and forth on. How could they be that similar if it was not the same person doing it? Even though there's are there's they, differences. What was? This? I mean, were they? You know, I mean. Yes, there is, were things that were similar know, at each I'm just, crime scene. I'm just saying, was it stuff that you wouldn't find and at even those maybe two, any other crime scenes? I think you're. I think that people are putting a lot on them being young white couples. Well, not but only that. I think that that just makes them. My biggest thing is, is they're taking them somewhere else, away from that car, to kill every single one of them because there's no blood or anything mm-hmm. in any of those cars. Right. That's going to be pretty much the same yeah. person. If it was the execution style, they would have shot them right there in the car and left them. Well, not if they didn't want the bodies to be discovered right away. But why would they worry about it if they were just killing them just to get rid of them? Because they were wanting to get rid of them. That's why they put them in the ocean. But they, they didn't want any evidence. I mean, not in the ocean, but in that in the river. But they would have killed them there and then toted them to the ocean. Well, not if they wanted. Not if they didn't want to tote a big grown man. I mean, I'm just saying that if <laughs> my, I'm, I'm leaning, I up, want to t- I'm I mean, leaning plus, away from that. Plus, you're in a parking lot. You've got the, you know, maybe somebody would pull up while you were in the process. Walk them down to the water, shoot them there, and all you got to do is well, push them in. Well, somebody would still see it. 
if they no, were pulling up in the parking not, lot. Not where they, not, we, you'd have to look at the area. And again, another thing is. The parking is they, lot, you have to walk down, like, on a. You're talking about it being execution style, but they also had them remove all their clothes. No, they didn't. They had, they, this is not the one that didn't have any clothes on. You're, you're, you're still getting two and three mixed up. I'm still, I, I still think you said that on that one. I'm going to have to go back and look at it because I still think you did. No. Because I'm thinking that that's the one you said they found in the ocean. No, they found them in the river. No. Yeah, they did. There's two that they found washed up in the in the ocean or r- the washed ocean. up on the side of the river. And those are the two that went skinny dipping. No. That the, no, it's, that the. Rangers said they went skinny dipping. No, it's not. You're getting them mixed up. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you just are. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> now, as for the disappearances of Keith Call and Cassandra Haley, some think that the motive in this crime was more of a sexual nature due to the fact that the victim's clothes were removed. And this is the only case where that seems to have happened. Now... As far as Keith and Cassandra, there's also been a lot of talk about Keith not having a good time at that party and ignoring Cassandra, and it doesn't seem the two were having a good first date. Maybe they killed each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's an alternate. It's a, well, we'll call that an alternate theory there right now. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. <laughs> She stabbed him. He turned around and shot her. (laughs) So, no one believes that they would have gone anywhere to park. However, Maureen O'Connell, who is a former FBI special agent, who is co-host of the Oxygen series Lover's Lane Murders, she pointed out something that had not occurred to me, and it makes so much sense that, I mean, I can't believe, I don't understand why this hasn't been pointed out before, because it makes so much sense. She said, you know, if you remember, Keith had a girlfriend, Selena, right? Yeah. Okay. I thought they broke up. Well, you remember, they were on a two-week break. But they said they could date other people. Right. They were Ross and Rachel in it. Ha right? I got something right. <laughs> now, they did say that. <laughs> Now, if you also remember, while at that party, Keith spent the whole time talking to one of Selena's best friends, right? Uh, he spent the whole time talking to some people, but I don't... It was it was one of Selena's good friends. Okay. He was telling Tanya, her... was that her name? I think it was Lisa, I think. Telling, I he was Tanya. telling her that he was having a horrible time and that he was going home after leaving the party. Now... If he was planning on getting back together with his longtime girlfriend, which it, every indication is that the two were planning on getting back together, mm-hmm. would he have partied it up with Cassandra in front of her best friend, and would he just, or would he just kind of lay low, make out like he wasn't enjoying the date while at the party, and then act differently once they were away from certain eyes? Now, I'm but sure they had told people that I don't know. No, this, they is the only, that, this is the only story that came from was from the people at the party. I know, but I'm saying they said when they walked in that they didn't look like they were having a good time when they walked no, in. No, they just walked in. Keith went and talked. Went. He saw Lisa. I think her name's Lisa. 
and he started talking to her, and so Cassandra started talking to and that Terry was, and that him. was Cassandra's best friend? No, Selena's best friend. His his girlfriend's best oh, friend. Oh, okay. I was fixing to say if it's Cassandra, she didn't go, what you talking about? No, mother- no. <laughs> no. So, I'm, I mean, I'm just sure that he wouldn't want it to get back to Selena, that he was leaving it up at a party with another girl. But now, if they were on a two-week break and had I agreed. Still, but even though they had agreed to date other people during this two-week period. We, I bet she was partying it up somewhere with some guy. We all know that no one wants to hear that their girlfriend or boyfriend was seen having a great time with someone else. So maybe Keith and Cassandra did hit it off, but when they got to the party, Keith had to cool it when he saw that Selena's friend was there. Or maybe he really didn't like her. Maybe so, but I'm just saying that that makes a lot of sense, that it could be that he didn't want to get him back to Selena, that, you know, hey, I'm having a great time with this other chick. That, I mean, to me, that's a, that could, that could be a reason to act that way, and it could mean that they did hit it off, and that there was a possibility that they did go parking. Because it's just been put out there that there's no way whatsoever in the world that those two willingly went to park. But I'm saying that it's possible that maybe there is a, a re, you know a reason that they were acting like they were. I think that along. their friends would know them better though, and if they say that there's no way possible that they went out there to park, then I would have to believe them. Okay, well maybe they went somewhere to park. Quite possibly not the parkway, maybe. but they went somewhere where they were intercepted by the killer or killers, and then. They, they did whatever they did to them, then abandoned the car on the parkway to tie it in to to make it look like it was part of the Colonial Parkway murders. Or it could be that they stopped there for any number of reasons. I just honestly, well, that, I, it was like thirty miles out of the way from their way on their way from on their the route they would have taken to go home. I but mean, my I'm, point is, is maybe they weren't headed home. Maybe I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that they were, but all I'm saying is, is if their friends were at that party and were saying this stuff that they they could tell they were not having a good time, there's no way that they said. I would have to believe the people that know them the best. Well, really, they only said that Keith didn't seem to be having a good time because the only person he spoke to and talked to was this friend of Selena's. But what I'm saying is this. Other people made comments that it didn't seem like he was having a good well, time. Well, that's because he said he made it, he wanted it to look that way. You don't know that. But though. you don't know that either. You don't I know don't that he know didn't. that it's not true. I'm right. Not, that's what I'm but saying. You don't know that it is. Well, you don't know that it isn't, is what I'm saying. No, I don't. So, and I'm I mean, not saying could, that it's it not possible. Be, right. All I'm saying is, is I would, if it comes down to it, I would have to lean more towards what the people who know them best say. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That's but, all I'm saying. Well, yeah. But I'm just saying that. It's possible. So that's all, that, that's is, all I mean. I'm just I just wanted to point out that you know because it, a lot has been put on the fact that they would never have stopped that they were headed straight home. Well, and there's a possibility that they weren't. That's but all I'm, I'm saying. just saying the people are saying that because that's what their friends told were to, are saying the people who knew them. Well, that's what the girl that Keith was talking to said. Because that's what he told her. But my point is, he may have had a reason for telling her that, and that it not be and, true. And, that, and, that and that's all I'm well, saying. That's, um, that's very well true. Yeah. But um, it could go either way. Yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I keep hitting the microphone. Stop it. Stop it. I'm very violent tonight. <laughs> you are. 
Now, I'm going to say the fourth set of murders just seem different to me. You had a robbery and the covering of the bodies. That's kind of what sets these this set apart in my mind. It's just that we usually see that when the perpetrators know the victims, and it just doesn't have the same feel to me. And that's all. That's the only thing I can say. I mean, it really. And I, I'll agree with that. But then, if you go back to that murder in 1984, that one was pretty much the same as that one because they, he was looking around in the jeep. Maybe he was looking for money to steal, or yeah, she, I don't, or it whoever could be, it was. But maybe those two are. Maybe we're looking for two different, different serial, serial killers. killers. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, wow. Now, some also believe that the murders of Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski were part of a set of serial killings, just not the Colonial Parkway killings. Well, then why were they on the Colonial Parkway? Let me, let me finish. Okay. Now, it may be that the Thomas Dowski murders are connected to another set of murders that took place in Virginia and are considered a hate crime. On May 19th of 1996, Lolly Winans and Julianne Williams, who were also a lesbian couple, they set out on a camping trip into the Shenandoah National Park mm. with their golden retriever named Taj. 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 Did Taj survive? You'll have to wait till the end to <sighs> see. I'm not going to tell you right now. Just let you be on the edge of your seat. Oh, my seat. God. Taj. <laughs> anyway, they were going to celebrate Memorial Day weekend. Holiday weekend. Okay. Check. The couple was last seen alive by a camp ranger on May the 24th when they went to renew their camping permit and were dropped off at the Stony Man parking lot at 5.30 p.m. The couple were expected back later that month. Julie, she was supposed to return to work the following week, and Lolly was supposed to attend a friend's wedding on June the 1st. Okay. Now, instead of that happening, on June the 1st, 1996, Todd was found wandering near the lodge. Oh, <laughs> oh poor Todd. Just letting y'all, making it a little more dramatic there. Well, he couldn't have been gone from him for too long if he was found wandering around the lodge. Yeah. Now, Rangers had already been notified by Julie's father, Thomas Williams, that the two were missing. So rangers went to the couple's campsite, which was about a half mile from the lodge. They found both women's bodies with their wrists brown and their throats slit left to right, which was the same way Kathy and Rebecca's throats were slit. Lolly was found inside the tent. She was partially clothed, gagged, with her wrists and ankles bound. Julie was found in a sleeping bag down an embankment about 30 to 40 feet away. She was also partially clothed and bound at her wrist, and her mouth was covered in duct tape, which contained hairs from an unknown individual. That was the hermit. <laughs> the hermit went all the way to Shenandoah National Park? Mm -hmm. He followed them. Okay. Well, now, that's why it took him so long to get there. <laughs> Why they were there that long before he killed them? Because he, it took him from eighty six to ninety. No, yeah, eighty six to ninety six well, to get I mean, there. Yeah, think about it. I mean, okay. he's already old because he's a hermit and he walks around barefooted because he ain't got no shoes. Okay. And he has to go through the woods. Okay, we're we're not talking about the hermit anymore. Yes, I'm putting are. my foot down. Now and the hermit is a cool guy. <laughs> he's not that cool. Or he's going around, according to you, murdering people. Well, that's true, but. 
As long I, I don't know. You just don't know. You, I, I think that you should, if you don't know too much about this hermit, I wouldn't suggest, you know, don't go in <laughs> talking the woods. him up like you're doing. Don't go in the woods. Now, neither of the women appeared to have been sexually assaulted or robbed. Investigators pegged the women's date of death as either May 28th or May 29th and investigated their crime as a hate crime based on their sexual orientation. Now, there are many investigators, including Steve Spangola, that, who was the in private investigator that was working for the families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he and others believe that this and the Tomaszowski cases are connected. And it's hard to just overlook the similarities between these two crimes. You've got young, white, lesbian couples in areas off the beaten path looking for privacy on federal property, all bound with their throats cut left to right on holiday weekends. Maybe he's just going out on holiday weekends and finding people. <laughs> and know. he just picks to hate them too, right there. I mean, follow them. It just there's a lot of similarities. They're going in the woods. Oh, that's going to make it even easier. So, what if the Tomaszowski case isn't? So we've got the one in '84 mm-hmm. and the one in '96. Yes, but I would say that the one in 96, really the only one of those, of the colonial murders that ha- has anything in common with is the Thomas Dowd murders. But it murders. still could be the same person. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying that. I it just, might not be. That's, that's just a lot of similarities between those two cases. And might, with them both being in Virginia. But I'm just saying that it all still could be the same person. May not be, but it could be. Yeah. So, let's get into... Some those are all the theories, okay? Oh Lord, that, that's a lot that I came up with, and that my, you it, came up yes, with <laughs> in my head. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, after all my research, I mean, that's that's the most of that's the I general. I pretty much come up with two. So out that's of all the, of those that. are the general ones that everybody pretty much leans towards. One it's is, either all or nothing. Yeah. You know? One is all of them were done by the same mm-hmm. person. The other one is there's a lot of sick different individuals <laughs> out there. Well, that's in one area. Well, that, that was basically what I said, but I broke it out into like five or six different six theories, six or seven. <laughs> but basically, yes. Now, months into the Williams and Winans investigation, a National Park Service ranger suggested that he and other park personnel should be given polygraph tests. Uh Uh-oh. What you know? Well, he noted that some colleagues had worked at the Colonial National Historical Park in the Mm. 1980s when the killings occurred there. See? And that they were now working at the Shenandoah National Park. We found them. (laughs) (laughs) You just done one too many, dude. Now... It's too bad that you can't use a serum on people to make them tell the truth. Well, they did have that during like the 50s. Yeah, and, but, but it, it didn't did, really it's, work. It's not. It's what is it? Sodium pent- pentothal or yeah. something like that? I'm talking about a real truth serum that like really works. <laughs> <laughs> like for real. I just beat it out of them. That, that, um, that's the American way. <laughs> because then they might not be able to say it. <laughs> you I'm want on, it to be I'm plain only and clear. joking, people. You want it to be plain and clear. Now, <laughs> now that ranger's recommendations weren't ignored, but they weren't fully investigated either. Well, of course not, because these are the police in Virginia, and <laughs> they don't have a very good track record. Now, according to FBI reports obtained by the Freelance Star, 
FBI agents interviewed approximately 120 Shenandoah National Park employees. They sought polygraphs from at least three and gathered physical evidence from at least two. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, agents obtained fingerprints and hair samples and vacuumed two pickups of some empl- of a couple of employees and sent the items to the FBI lab in, in early 1997. Okay. Fingerprints from one of those people didn't match prints found at the scene. One person passed his polygraph test, but not not all of the evidence exams were completed. One polygraph test suggested deception, but that man denied involvement, and agents felt that he had a, quote, credible alibi, according to the FBI reports. Okay. Now, I'm going to point out something that... Is a big, if it's a coincidence, which it very well may be, it's just a really big coincidence, okay? Okay. On one of the rangers that was at the scene of the Williams and Winans case Mm -hmm. was none other than Clyde Yee, (gasps) who, if you remember, was one of the rangers that responded to the scene of the Thomas Dowski murders. (sighs) He had transferred from the Colonial Parkway to the Shenandoah wasn't one National of them, Park. Wasn't he also the one that went to that other one where they removed all the items from the car and then took it back? No. He no, wasn't? No, that's okay. you're thinking of the FBI agent. This okay, is one okay. of the um, park rangers. Okay. I was just trying to get it straight in my head. I'm just saying that's a big coincidence <sighs> that he would end up. And the murders in the Colonial Parkway, I'm assuming, stopped right after he transferred to the Shenandoah Park. I would be interested to know what year he did transfer. Uh, Maybe I should look that up. I didn't think to look that up. I don't know if that's even out there. I'm sure it's somewhere out there. When did he stop working as a park ranger close to the Colonial Parkway is what you need to look up. I need to, yeah. Because he could have not been working for a while before 96. And then if he started right before those murders at the Shenandoah Park... I don't know. I'm not oh. accusing him of doing anything. I'm not either. I'm just, I'm saying, just saying that it's a big coincidence. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Do with it what you will. <laughs> now, the Shenandoah murders went cold until July the 9th, 1987. And on that day, a lady named Yvonne Malbasha, I guess is how you say her name, Malbasha, she was a single mother from Canada who was bicycling in the park when a man named Daryl Rice who was a resident nearby Maryland, he confronted her. He began stalking her from his blue Chevy S10 pickup. Oh, snap, Chevy S10. At one point, he forced her off the road. She said, quote, The vehicle came so close I could actually feel the heat of the engine. Rice then threw a soda can at her, grabbed at her chest, and screamed, quote, Show me your titties. I think he was just drunk. Well, I don't think he's just that piece of shit. I think he's crazy and drunk. Rice tried to throw her into his truck, but she was able to fight free and evade him. She then contacted the rangers who took her description of the vehicle, the license plate number, and the clothing that Rice was wearing. And soon they spotted a blue Chevy S10 at the Swift Run Gap exit of the park. But... The man behind the wheel was wearing a different shirt, and the license plates didn't match. Oh, because that's not easily changed. On the front well, they stopped him, and on the front seat was a shirt that did match her, her description of her assailant. And 
When interrogated by authorities, Rice admitted that he had confronted Malasha and had changed his license plates to evade authorities. Wow. See how that works? <laughs> Somebody's missing a license plate, though. <laughs> Somebody now, somewhere. You might want to check that before you leave the park. <laughs> now, Daryl Rice was convicted of his assault against Malasha and sentenced to 11 years. Now, checks of videotapes of vehicles coming into and exiting Shenandoah Park showed that Rice's truck entered the park the weekend of the Lolly Winans and Juliana Williams murder, having left on May the 26th, but he did return a few days later. Okay. Now, evidence was obtained that Rice was extremely prejudiced against gays and women in general, and was obsessed with violent pornography. Circumstantial evidence certainly pointed to Rice as the murder of Williams and yeah, Winans. Circumstantial yeah. evidence might as well be dust in the wind. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people convicted on circumstantial evidence not every day much in this any, country. Not much anymore. Now, I mean, in, yeah, there are, but not as much as it used to be. In 2002, Daryl Rice was indicted for capital murder in the slings of Williams and Winans. Now, according to prosecutors, he targeted the pair of women because they were gay. But, but this is a big, big but right here. Uh, there's, that's the problem with circumstantial. There's always a <laughs> but, but. But the physical evidence did not link Rice to the crime. There you go. A hair sample found in the duct tape from the crime scene did not connect to him. So this lack of physical evidence caused the charges to be dropped. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Now, they were dropped, what do you call it? I can't remember. With, without prejudice, that's what it is. They yeah. Were tra- and so this did not exonerate Rice. It simply meant that at that time they lacked enough evidence to charge him. I don't think they're going to find enough to charge him. As bad of a person as he is, I don't think he committed those murders. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Unless he was, unless he had help. Yeah. Now, in 2011, Rice was released on parole, and investigators do consider Rice their prime suspect in the williams Winans murders. And my point is, if he's the prime suspect in those murders, could he be the prime suspect in the Dallas-Thomas murders? All of the others, actually. Well... In 2002, the FBI publicly stated Daryl Rice was not a suspect in the Colonial Parkway murders. They must have found something that I cleared him. Now, oh, <laughs> sorry, I was scratching my nose that time. Okay. Now, some think that the Colonial Parkway murders might be linked to another set of murders called the Route 29 Stalker Murders. See, this guy gets around. Or girl. Or people. (laughs) Or whatever. This is another spree of unsolved serial killings in the Piedmont region of Virginia. Route 29 is an old roadway stretching from Washington, D.C. to Charlottesville. Okay. And starting in 1996, the number of women along the Route 29 corridor were being pulled over and at least one of them was killed. This guy would flash his headlights to get a victim to pull over. Then he would tell her there was a problem with her vehicle. I remember that. He would then offer her a ride, and once she was inside the vehicle, he would attack. The evidence of this came in February of 1996, when 
Carmelita Shromo was driving on Dumfries Road in Manassas, Virginia. Uh-huh. A truck pulled up behind her and flashed its headlights. She pulled over, and a man approached her from approached her vehicle, telling her there were sparks coming from under the rear of her car. He offered her a ride to go get help. He then traveled a short distance and pulled off the road and attacked Shromo. Carmelita struggled to get free, but her ankle got caught in the seat belt. Oh. The van pulled away, dragging her down the road some distance before she was able to get free. Mm, Can you imagine being dragged like that by a truck? Now, at first it appeared to be an isolated incident, but then other young women began disappearing. On March 2, 1996, Alicia Showalter Reynolds had been driving on Route 29, traveling from Charlottesville to Baltimore to spend the day shopping with her mom. She was last seen alive climbing into a blue pickup truck just a few miles south of Culpeper. You know who else drove a blue pickup truck? Yeah, and I was going to say, you don't remember hearing about all this on the news? Yes, I do. I was fixing to say, please tell me you remember. Yeah, I do. I'm just, probably a lot of people don't. May not have heard about it, so well, we're going over probably it. haven't because they weren't born at that time. <laughs> I didn't say I had not heard of it. I'm just telling everybody about it. No, that's it. fine. No, I wasn't saying not to go over it. I was just pointing out that I remember this yeah, being on the too. news. Her car was found with a napkin on the windshield, which indicated car trouble. Now, over the next several weeks, close to two dozen women would come forward with reports of similar encounters with a strange man matching that description. According to these women, this man had flashed his headlights at the women to get their attention and then offered to help fix some issue that they had with their car. Now, almost all of these women had refused the man's offers. The witnesses who had encountered this man described him as a middle-aged man, 35 to 45 years old, who stood at an average height, just below six feet tall, with a medium build and red-brown hair that he constantly waved back with his left hand. Okay. It was like, I guess, a tick or something. Now, according to this, these women, this man used the name Larry Breeden. But I'm thinking, of course, this is an alias. Well, I, yeah, I you're not going to give your real name. I don't name. think he would have given his real name. Now, two months after Alicia went missing, her remains were found about 15 miles from where she was last seen in a field in Lignum, Virginia, in a shallow grave off of Route 3, which connects to Route 29. Now, 20-year-old Ann Carolyn McDaniel of Orange, Virginia, she left a group home on September the 18th of 1996 and was never seen alive again. Four days later, her burned remains were found near Mount Pony, which was only 10 miles from where Alicia Reynolds' remains were found. See, now this is the same person which would be a serial killer. Now, we pretty much know this is the same person. Well, I mean, it might be. It might not be. That's two different ways of disposing of a body. Right. Now, Samantha Ann Clark, a 19-year-old from Orange, Virginia, left at 12.30 a.m. on September 13, 2010, to meet with an unknown party. Easy for me to say. She was never heard from or seen again, and her remains have never been found. She, okay. Now, police have suspects in mind for these crimes, especially in the disappearance of Samantha Ann Clark. A man named Randy Taylor is 
considered a suspect in her disappearance because Samantha was repeatedly in contact with Randy Taylor, including one call just prior to her disappearance. Okay. So I would think that's probably who she was going to meet. Now, but Taylor, is that who, what, I mean, is that who caused her disappearance? Well, though? I, I mean, that, I, that Taylor has been convicted of another murder. And well, I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm just saying just because she was going to meet him. Well, you got to think, too, this was the 2010, so it's much later than the other disappearances. Yeah. There's also a belief that Daryl David Rice was responsible for at least some of the so-called Route 29 killings. Well, I would think that it would be the same person in all of them because all of the women who survived described the same yeah. person. Now, if you remember from a few minutes ago, he had been tied to the Wines Williams murders. Mm -hmm. And not only did he match the physical description of the suspect, but his father lived off of Route 29. And he drove a pickup truck that was similar to the one described by witnesses. And... Carmelita Shomo identified Daryl Rice as her assailant. Okay. And in 2000... Well, I would pretty much say it was him then. <laughs> Hello? In 2005, he pleaded no contest to the charges... Which means he's guilty. ...and was sent to prison, after which the Route 29 stalker crimes stopped. Oh, gee, I wonder who it was. Rice knew the area extremely well and had a propensity for violence against women. Now, some see Daryl David Rice also as a perfect person of interest in the Colonial Parkway murders. I would think so, because was he there in the area? That's mm -hmm. what you'd have to find yeah, out. We're about to go through that. Now, while the pattern of murders is different, the argument could be made that the killer changed his M.O. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to point out, in fact, for you to believe that the Colonial Parkway murders are connected at all, you would have to believe that the murderer changed M.O. But yeah, you would have to. But if he, oh, sorry, if he killed those other two women, the way he disposed of the body would have been different. So what's to say that he didn't kill differently? Well, I've got some issues with Daryl Rice as a suspect in the colonial murders. I'm not saying he is, but I'm, I'm just saying. Well, I'm about to go over them. One major problem with this theory, in my in my opinion, is his age. Daryl Rice was born in 1968, so at the time of the murders of Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, he would have been 18 years old. He still could have done it. Well, that. I just, I don't see an 18-year-old being capable of demonstrating the kind of control that a lone killer would have to have had in order well, to commit well, those now, murders. Wait a minute, some 18-year-olds could. Well, I'm just saying I don't see him doing that. It, it It's... Few and far between, and I'm not saying he's one of those that could, but some of them could. I just think that this this killer has it was it was way more sophisticated and way more in control than an 18 year old would be probably not, committing their first murders. Not all 18 year olds are like that though. Well, some of them are very mature. I know, but I'm, just I'm saying, not saying he did it. I'm just saying that it is possible. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that's one of my issues. Another issue I have is that he was from Maryland and was unfamiliar with the Virginia Peninsula area. The reason he's considered a suspect in the Route 29 stalker crimes is that he had intimate familiarity with that area. Well, that and all, all the women described him as their the person. Well, I mean, they just, he fit the description. And I think that one thing that we can safely assume about the Colonial Parkway killer is that whoever he or she or them they were, were, they knew that area very well. 
They had yeah, to have. But, I mean. Finally, the, the, the last issue that I have with him being the one that committed the colonial murders was he was a loner who seemed to be driven by just hate and rage against women. And Rice's pattern seemed to be go seemed to be to go after lone women. Right. Now this is at least true in the case of Carmelita Shomo. And if he is the Route twenty nine stalker, then it's absolutely true. Because he was targeting lone women on the highway. Well, I think he is that stalker because you've got way too many people describing the same person that is very closely similar looking to him. Mm-hmm. So there's no way it couldn't be him. Well, On the I mean, 29, it could be. I mean, it couldn't be. He could have a twin that we don't know about. <laughs> now, the victims in the Colonial Parkway murders were couples. And 75% of the time, they were male and female. And it could be that they thought that they were 100% male and female, like we've said before, because, yeah. you know, Becky's hair. So, I guess, in summary, I just don't believe that Daryl Rice is responsible for the Colonial Maybe Parkway he was murders. mad because they was all getting some and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And if Daryl Rice is not the Route 29 stalker, I don't believe the person who is the stalker is responsible for the Colonial Parkway murders either. I don't think that the 29 stalker is, but I'm leaning a lot towards him being the yeah. Highway 29 stalker. Yeah. I just don't believe that he, the two series of crimes are connected. No, I'm not saying That's that. That's all no. I'm saying. I don't believe. I mean, that I the guess person, could, I guess in some far-off galaxy it could be possible. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, anything's possible. I just don't see the connection. We Other could, than they all took place in could, Virginia. We could make them connect, I mean, I they, that's, the, that's the connection. They all took place in Virginia. You could, you could twist things around and make them connect, but it wouldn't necessarily be true. Right. I mean, you can say anything. Yeah, I mean, you could twist <laughs> anything around to show that they were connected, yeah. but that's not going to make it true. Yeah. Now, in 2009, a man named Fred Atwell. Fred. He inserted himself into this story. Inserted himself. He did. <laughs> he did. He, yes. Okay. He was a former, former deputy from Gloucester. Gloucester. Uh, Gloucester. It's Gloucester. I looked it up. It is. It's Gloucester. Yes. Now, in order to become a deputy, which he did on February the 2nd of 1981, he had to first obtain a pardon from the Virginia governor so that he could own and carry a handgun. What the flying fuck? Now, why did he have to receive a pardon, you may Well, my guess would be because he was a felon if he could not hold a firearm. Well, that was because of his pair of felony convictions for burglary. (laughs) Oh, my Jesus. Okay. Now I understand why law enforcement in Virginia is having a problem investigating crimes. It's because they don't want to investigate them because it brings back memories. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. Now, in early 2009, Atwell reached out to the victim's families and seemingly just kind of started launching his own private investigation. No, he wasn't. Now, Joyce Cole recalls the beginning of Fred's involvement, saying, quote, yeah, he kind of inserted himself into this case. He just inserted himself into the families at that time. <laughs> unquote. <laughs> he just kind of showed up, apparently. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? Oh, I'm here. Now. It's me. I'm here. What's Paul- up? <laughs> now, Paula Meehan, who was Cassandra's sister, was also confused by his involvement. Saying, well, I mean, uh- saying, quote, I kept saying, why is this guy so involved with this? He's not related to anybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unquote. I don't understand why he felt the need. Well, I don't know. We're, to we're, do this. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he has any, all of the evidence to like <laughs> ask questions off of or anything. They're not going to give that to him. Now, Bill Thomas, who... Did he think he was smarter because he committed <laughs> felons before? Oh, um, I can solve this. Uh, yeah, I've uh, been there. Uh, it takes a felon to find a felon, right? Now, Bill Thomas, as we all know, is Kathy Thomas's brother. He told the Huffington Post, quote, He always tried to insert himself into the investigation and into the families. Fred would call me all the time, almost weekly, and talk for hours at a time. But in About the end, what? But in the end, I really didn't end up anywhere. I always felt like he was holding back, that he knew something but would not come out and just say it, unquote. Now, I don't know. No, he didn't. Now, Atwell would string the families along. Joyce Call remembers. He just wanted notoriety. Says, he just wanted to I be known. Know. Joyce Call, keep on, says, remembers, quote, I think after I got used to him, I thought he was a really strange character. And then sometimes I didn't after like. After you got used to him, you thought he was strange. <laughs> and then and then sometimes I didn't like him, you know. I don't really think I could trust him, but he was always coming up saying, oh, I found out this. I just heard from so-and-so. I don't know if he was making it up or did he really know something. Yes, he was unquote. making it up. The FBI had done taken control of this. He didn't have any of that. They weren't going to call him, <laughs> hey, man, look, we got this. We know this. It wasn't going to happen. I don't know. Now, in 2009, Fred Atwell began informing the family members that crime scene photos containing images of the victims, their crime scenes, the abandoned vehicles, etc., had somehow been distributed to the public over the years. Because he did it. Now, according to Fred, there was a security company that asked Fred to come teach a class on the Colonial Parkway murders. He said that he declined because he did not work directly on the parkway. So he thought that he would not know enough about about it to teach a class. But yet he knows enough about it to go, go and like help the families try to solve it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the security company owner said, quote, I have some materials you could present. Could you look at them and see if you want to change your mind? He gave Fred a series of slides, and Fred recognized them as all the crime scene photos and made copies of that them. That one wasn't me. I that didn't hit me, the microphone that time. He spent a considerable amount of time from that point on trying to convince the FBI to investigate how these photos got released. He said that he had been trying for a year to get law enforcement to act, and when they didn't act, he went to the press. Now, the release of these photos pretty much shattered any trust that law enforcement had built up with the families. And the families kind of began to see Atwell as a hero of sorts for bringing this information to everyone's attention, mainly because it brought the murders back in the spotlight. And that was based, that was their, that's what, they were trying to do right you know, even if it was for the wrong reasons but they were pissed off well i can imagine i mean i would have been there. pissed off too i mean to this day i mean those are their loved ones yeah. at the worst right. possible moment of their lives yeah. now the fbi had to mend bridges with the families they couldn't just sweep this under the rug because the cases were too high profile and everyone knew about their oopsie <laughs> Oops. Oops. Oopsie. I saw. My bad. So they had to do some damage control. So they essentially agreed to move the case to the top of the pile of the cold cases. 
just overnight. Which means we'll get to it in 20 years instead of 40. <laughs> 40. <laughs> and they promised a full, a full review of the murders. They also agreed to meet with the families to let them to go over the files with them and pretty much told them a lot of stuff that they had. You know, information that they knew. Yeah. Well, shouldn't they be telling the families that anyway? No, they had not. I mean, I'm just saying. a big history of, of the FBI especially and really the Virginia State Police not really communicating much with the families. And it was kind of a hostile relationship anyway. Well, and I then mean, when that's this what happened, I'm saying. Because and another thing that happened was that um, with on the Thomas Dowski murders, they, the coroner, when they did the autopsies and all, had actually done rape kits on them. Now, the families had not been given any indication at all, and it's well, been put out the, there that they were not raped, but I think they did a rape kit just to make sure. They do that on all female but, uh, victims, homicide victims. I'm going to tell you, they do it on all of them but, to make sure that there's no semen which could be DNA. Right, right. So they're going to do that on everybody. Right. But the way... Those were never sent to the FBI. And the way they were found was they happened to be in with some material that one of the investigators had was they had been at the crime lab for years. Okay? And then they okay. got put in a box with some other material that had nothing to do with the Colonial Parkway murders. It was from another case. And when the investigator who was working that case, got the stuff back to his office and was going through it, he found these rape kits in in with it. Okay. So he calls the FBI and tells them that he's got these rape kits from this murder. And the FBI eventually tells him just to destroy them, that they don't want them. Well, I mean, if it was negative, they really, there's but nothing they But they don't do know, but it. my thing is, they had never tested them. The FBI had never laid hands on them. They had been at the medical examiner's office since 1986. But what I'm saying is, is that they'd done the rape kit in 1986 and come out that it was negative that they had been they raped. They don't know because they didn't test them is what I'm telling you. They never tested well, them. Well, then how do they know that they weren't raped? Well, because I mean, they it didn't look out. like from the, from the bodies that there was no, like, contusion or bruising or anything like that. And then like they that. probably weren't. That's... Why, that's where they said that they were not raped from. But you don't throw away evidence like that. You don't just tell somebody, without even having, not even looking at it, they just told them, oh, just throw, just, you know, get rid of it. We I wouldn't have it. thrown it away if I was that guy. Well, the guy burned it, incinerated it, <laughs> because the FBI told him to. I wouldn't have. So, I would the have families taken found it out about somebody. that, and that pissed them off, too, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I would have taken it to somebody. I mean, for real. I wouldn't have been the end, you know, I would have been the end. I would have been some serious CYA there. Yeah. Like, if you want it destroyed, you destroy, you destroy it, it yourself. But I'm not going to. Now, for Atwell, as far as he goes, his relationship with the FBI soured immediately. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he did have some ends with him because he was a deputy at one time. Yeah. He was a local with a criminal record who inserted himself into the investigation, and this appeared suspicious to investigators. Atwell immediately became a person of interest. And in an interview in April of 2010, Fred stated, quote, I did not do, I had nothing to do with the Parkway murders. Unquote. Now, 
I will say that he did go on to concede that, quote, the profile fits me, I am on the list, unquote. <laughs> so he's even admitting that the profile that they have of the killer, that it, it's him, that he fits but that, that profile could, to that a that T. Fit a lot but of it fits people, a lot of people. Yeah, I was going to say it fits a lot of people. He was questioned by the FBI, and his notebook that he had on the murders was confiscated, which... Who keeps a notebook on murder? On the well, murder? first of all, <laughs> because well, he was, a lot of he people, was investigating. I mean, I've got, a lot no, of, I've got a notebook on murder. Yeah, somebody, if they come in and done a search in your house, they would be like, what the fuck? And he could have been just interested enough in it that he well, done you know, his own I told, investigation. You know, like I told you, he did do his own investigations, and he kept bothering the families. I wouldn't necessarily bother the families. <laughs> well, but, he did. But you, I hope you don't call these people. No. Okay. Now, I, never mind, I won't go into that about my processes, okay? I don't um, want to give away any trade secrets here, but... Now... <laughs> careful. Now, most people in this situation would have kept a low profile, right? Most. Not at will. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. <laughs> he kept going to the media, which only put him under more scrutiny. He told the media, quote, I didn't do it. They can come get my DNA anytime they want it. I will be glad to give it to them. I don't have a problem with that. I have nothing to hide about the Parkway. They have 132 suspects, so why don't they look at them instead of me? Unquote. Well, the rest of them are not inserting <laughs> themselves into the <laughs> exactly. investigation, so I can kind of understand Calling the why. Having their own side investigation. I can kind of, well, a lot of people do those little <laughs> side investigations. But I'm just saying that this is all. But they don't call the families right. and harass them. Yeah. Now, while the FBI stated publicly they did not foresee Fred's arrest, it was also very clear that they do, they continued to consider him a person of interest, if not a suspect. Okay. Well, he's a per person of interest. <laughs> he's interesting. <laughs> I will give you that. Now, in 2010, Atwell ended up defrauding some of the Parkway victims' family members by stealing roughly $270 that had been raised in a raffle to fund a private investigation. That was his whole scam to yeah. begin with. <laughs> to get that, that right there. <laughs> Instead, he had used the funds to pay for some personal expenses. Oh, wow. Also in 2010, Atwell contacted Bill Thomas under the pretense of working on saying he was calling on behalf of a, quote, foreign interest. This uh. alleged foreign interest claimed to know where the bodies of Keith, Hall, Keith Call and Cassandra Haley were buried. And for $20,000... Really? You're a con artist. <laughs> These people are hurting. Yeah. Now, for $20,000, you sorry son of a bitch. Fred agreed to broker an arrangement with this mysterious third party to get the remains recovered. He even provided Thomas with a map of the general area where the bodies were allegedly buried. According to Thomas, quote, the whole thing didn't feel right. You think? I mean, we had a reward out there already, so why did he need the money? If he knew who had buried them, he should have just turned that name over to the police. Why ask for money? Because Unquote. he didn't know a name, he, but he right. needed money. Right. Now, this was the last straw for the families, and they all stopped speaking that well. Good. <clears throat> now. That's a, that, that is the most low I have ever seen yeah, anybody that's just go. A that's POS. just. It's one thing to con people, like, who have their loved ones have have not been murdered, and you're conning them, using the murderers to con them? Yeah. That's just, you are lower than yeah. dirt. 
Now, in 2011, Atwell was arrested in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Everybody, Georgia. everybody gets arrested in <laughs> Gwinnett all, County, it Georgia. It all comes back to Georgia. Everybody gets arrested there, so... <laughs> He what did he do? He was alleged to have robbed his wife at gunpoint in Roanoke County, Virginia, for less than $100. Why the fuck you gonna rob your <laughs> wife at gunpoint? She says it was 60 He says that he took $161. What the? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like, hold on, stop. <laughs> we, need to, we need to backtrack here for a minute. Who the fuck robs their wife? Well, they, weren't together. they weren't together at the time. Well, then she wasn't his wife. Well, I mean, they were still married. Now, he well, reportedly I mean, said... Why not I... just ask for it? Hey, you got 60 bucks. <laughs> she, he told her that he was homeless and hungry and just needed money. Well, then... Uh, so you're going to stick a gun in her face? <laughs> well, maybe she said no. Yeah, that's really going to make her feel sorry for you. You're homeless and hungry, but you can afford guns and ammo? <laughs> How about you take that money, sell that gun, or at least pawn it? You know, that's a good idea. See? Problem you know? solved right there. <laughs> so he was extradited back to Virginia and pled guilty to theft in March of 2012. And well, in, what, what else was he going to do? I don't know. In, in December of 2018, Atwell died in prison. That was a fe- another felony for robbery yeah. because it involved a gun. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. From what... a former police officer <laughs> that was a former felon. I'm not real sure what to make of Fred Atwell. He's a sorry piece of shit. I mean, I know that killers sometimes do insert themselves into the investigations, but I'm I don't, not, think, I'm that, not I don't think he's the killer. I'm not convinced that that was Fred Atwell's motive no. here. His motive seems <laughs> to, to get be money. money. Yeah, Basically. because, I mean, he was a felon for robbery. Yeah. So think about it. All he could think about was money. It just seems like a con to me. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Now, another person the FBI questioned was a guy named Ron Little. He was a native of New Zealand. Shout out New Zealand. And he had migrated to the U.S. in the middle of the 80s, in the middle 1980s. He was the president of a company called Advanced Security and Investigation Services What's Pre- up with all these people doing these investigations? <laughs> well, I mean, now this company was previously known as Liberty Security Services. Little had purchased the company in September 1987. Because if I have a security business, I can break into people's houses. Mm. He had bought it along with a partner named Steve Blackman. Now the company provided security for stores and businesses, things like that, like security mm-hmm. guards. Right. And though Little liked to claim that he was a private investigator. That's what he said. What is What? You people are freaking nuts. <laughs> now this, let me tell you what old Ron Little did. Oh my, please, it can't be worse than Fred Atwell. <laughs> oh, you just wait. You oh just my wait. Jesus. You just wait. Now, in an interview with the Daily Press, two weeks before the disappearances of Colin Haley, Little claimed that he had discovered a pattern in the murders that were taking place. Before the murders took place? Before those two. The, the Thomas Dowski and the, um, not, um, Nobling and Edwards case. You can't, you can't say that murders are similar with just two of them. You have to have more than two. Any law enforcement agency will tell you well, that. he's not law enforcement. Oh, that's right. He's just a private investigator that owns a security <laughs> company. Okay, he go fur- ahead. He further claimed that the pattern identified both the killer and his next victim. 
Because he knows who it is. He said that he intended to confront the killer and warn the intended victim, but refused to identify either. Why would you just not tell the police who it was? I mean, they, <laughs> why would you if go I knew to something a like that, say all this shit? If I knew something like that, I'm not going to a newspaper. I'm going to call the police and say, look, you need to go get these people. Put well, them under protective custody. This is the guy or woman well, or whoever you're looking for. That's because your motivations aren't the same as Ron Little. Now, Little criticized in this same interview state and federal agents well, for, I their, can't really blame him. for their failure to connect the murders of two other individuals to these killings. And these individuals who are involved in these other two murders, they happen to have connections to Ron Little. The first of these was Brian Pettinger. He was a former soldier that lived in Newport News with his wife. Mm -hmm. He had been employed as a security guard by Ron Little's company. Now, Pettinger was last seen on the evening of December the 4th of 1987 at a dance club in Hampton, where he was training to be a dance instructor. Now, some of his fellow dancers were throwing a party, but Brian would only stayed for like a half hour or so. He said he had to go home. Now, before returning to his truck that he had parked nearby, it's believed that in that brief distance where he was walking from the door to his truck, that he encountered trouble. Well, he encountered it somewhere. Yeah, he was reported missing that evening by his wife when he didn't come home. Now, Two days later, on December the 6th, Brian's truck was discovered in the parking lot of New Market North Mall. Okay. Then, on February the 1st of 1988, the body of Brian Pettinger was discovered by a couple of fishermen floating in the Chuckatuck River. Chuckatuck. 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 That's could my just, new favorite word. I could just sit here and say that all night. Chuckatuck. <laughs> Chuckatuck. Now, the Chuckatuck River happens to be a tributary of the James River, <gasps> which just happens to be the same river that the bodies of David Nobling and Robin Edwards have been found in. Oh. Now, at the time of the discovery, Brian was found wearing only a dress shirt and socks. Um. It was determined he had been bound to his ankles, wrist, and neck with a rope before his death. The cause of death was believed to have been drowning, but... He did have a wound to the back of his head, so it seemed that he, he was knocked out. He endured some kind of blunt force and trauma trauma beforehand. The second of these two murders was that of Lori Powell. She was a young woman that lived in Gloucester and had also worked for Ron Little for a brief period. She was last seen by her boyfriend on the evening of March 8, 1988. At the time of her last sighting, Lori Powell was involved in a heated argument with her boyfriend. And while driving, I mean, they were driving, he was driving, they were in the car arguing. She told him to stop the car, that she was, that she wanted to get out and walk home. So no, he stopped the car. don't do that. She got out. According to him, about 45 minutes later, he went back to the scene where he had let her out, but he couldn't find her. Well, you should have never left her. After several days, she was reported missing by her stepfather. On April the 2nd of 1988, just about two months after Brian's body was found, Lori's body would be found also in the James River. And not too far from where David and um, Robin were found, huh. actually. Which, as we said, is, you know, the same river where David and Robin were found. 
And it's also believed that Brian Penninger's body was originally dumped in the James River and just drifted into the Chuckatuck River. Chuckatuck. Since it is a tributary of the James yeah. River. Now, an autopsy was unable to determine the approximate date and time of her death because she had been in the water so long. She had been found nude in the river with numerous stab wounds to her back. Now, Lori's boyfriend... Okay, see, that's two different MOs, but that could very well be the same person. Lori's boyfriend would remain the most likely suspect in this death due to him having been violent with her in the past and being the last person to see her alive. Well, usually the killer is the last person to see him alive, but not always. I mean, well, yeah, always, but... (laughs) Well, they lack evidence to charge him, so Larry Laurie's case remains unsolved. I'm pretty sure in Laurie's situation, it was probably the boyfriend, because they had been arguing. He said that he just let her out, and then he went back to try 45 minutes to see if she was in the same spot. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe he rode down the road. I don't know. I just, I just find his story a little... I just, I just feel it's probably the boyfriend in that situation because he had been violent with her before. Well, that don't mean he killed her, though. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm not saying violence I'm is good. Saying, I'm not saying violence is good, but I'm just saying violence does not mean he killed But she didn't have any signs her. of, like, the other bodies. She didn't look like she'd been bound at the wrists and ankles or anything like that. She was just stabbed in the back. You know? I'm just saying it just seems Maybe different. she was running away from the killer down the side of the road. and he just <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I, that, I just feel like it one. was not. It, I, I mean, it could have. It could. It could have been him, but it very well could have been somebody else that picked her up. Well, too. that's true. I just, I just think it's different. It just feels different. It's I mean. different. I'm not saying it's the same killer that killed everybody else. I'm just saying that yeah. somebody could have come up and said, "Hey, you need a ride," and she got in. Yeah. Or it could have been the boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. There is my point. Yeah. Which is good, which is why it's unsolved. There you go. Now, because of Ron Little's interview he gave with the Daily Press, it kind of drew some attention to him. Yeah, think. And the, <laughs> and the FBI brought him in for questioning after the disappearances of Colin Haley. Little had also pointed out to the media that Robin Edwards' mother, Bonnie, had worked for the security company that Ron Little owned. However, oh. however... It would later be determined that he left out the part that she worked there before he purchased it. Oh, okay. So well, it's like he was trying to draw a connection to himself. You idiot. And these murders in some form or way. He's wanting people to think he's connected for some stupid ass reason. Well, he really, and really her working there formally, he still could have been connected to it. Yeah, it's just, but I mean, he's wanting to like, oh, well, you know, these, you know, Brian worked for me. Lori worked for me, and Robin's mom worked here, too. That was the way he presented it. But he failed to mention that Robin's mom worked there before he even purchased this, the business. Yeah. So it's like, he, for some stupid-ass reason... You want them he's to think you're the killer? Yeah, yeah, basically, it's what it seems like to me. I don't think you thought that through all the way there, dude. <laughs> now, I don't know how they think in New Zealand, but around here... <laughs> When you do things like that, we automatically point the finger at you. We don't. We don't usually, you know, say that it's us. Uh, we don't do that. We don't go out of our way. I don't know to... how y'all do it over there. Maybe y'all do things differently. <laughs> but over here, if you point at yourself and connect things with yourself, you're gonna be the suspect. Yeah. 
Now, the FBI concluded that Ron Little was not responsible for any of the murders and was only trying to gain attention. Yep. <laughs> so why? I have no idea. So they cut him loose. I know. They don't need to cut him loose. I can tell you where he needs to go. <laughs> he needs to go to a mental institution and have a psyche valve done. Now, this doesn't. that was not the end of the Ron Little story. Oh, my Lord. See? <laughs> On April the 19th of 1988... He can share a room with that well. <laughs> Ron Little told the news media... So he's going back to the media. Jesus. He told them that he had been brought in by the FBI and was considered, in his words, and I quote, a major, major suspect. Because you pointed to yourself! <laughs> you idiot! Do you not understand? Okay, people that are in New Zealand... Answers, does suspect mean something different over there than it does over here? Because I'm beginning to think that he didn't understand what the word suspect means. <laughs> Please let me know. Anyway, he claimed to be a major, major suspect in the disappearances of Cassandra and Keith. He also indicated that he was being investigated for the deaths of Robin Edwards, David Nombling, Laura Ann Powell, and Brian Pettinger. I'm honestly, I don't think he understands <laughs> what the word suspect really means. Well, I mean, he's either, they either use a different word over there. I don't know. I think, or. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know he's what he's doing. He's just that stupid. I'm telling you, he he's needs to be in stupid. a mental institution. He's either stupid or he's guilty. It's he needs one to be or the in other. A, if he's not guilty, he needs to be in a mental institution. Is he guilty? Now, even though the FBI never considered Ron Little a suspect. That's because they think there's no way that a suspect <laughs> could be this stupid. That's what they're thinking. There's no way that it could be this easy. <laughs> All these years. And there's no way. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, many think that Ron Little and his partner Steve Blackman should be looked at closer. Oh, they need to be looked at. I don't well, know for murder, but... The pair drew attention because they fit the profile at the time of who the FBI was looking for. You had two men, one dominant, who was Blackman, one more submissive... That's stupid. ...who was little. <laughs> now, <laughs> Blackman was a police officer, oh. making it potentially easy for them to take on the roles and assume control of the couples. They had all the regalia of police officers at their disposal, right down to the vehicles. Was that well their dispatcher? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. All right. <laughs> now, in Blackman, he was a bad cop, okay? You think? He was capable. He's of... hanging around with this dude. Yeah. There's no way he can be good. And we know that he was capable of killing, as he would demonstrate later in life. There are many rumors of him being involved with illegal drug sales while still a deputy. Oh, that happens a now, lot. those were not substantiated by actual charges, so he was never charged with anything. Right. So let me point that out. But the fact that he did have cocaine in his body when he committed murder years later, it certainly makes it easier to believe <laughs> the rumors of drugs. Okay, stop. <laughs> Just stop a minute. I don't know if things are different now in Virginia, but y'all might want to just consider just get rid of whole your whole law enforcement. Now, and I'll, just let me tell maybe you just rebuilding it <laughs> one by one. Now, he was charged with murder. 
years later. It, he said that these two guys, he shot two people that were supposedly trying to break in to his house. I think it was his house. Or were they just something. knocking on the door because he was home? And, cocaine? And he shot them and killed them. But his story didn't match the physical evidence at the crime scene and the fact that he was all coked up at the time. Yeah, yeah. They didn't believe him. So he was charged with murder. Okay. And he was convicted. Good. Now, we're going to go back to Fred. Fred Atwell. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he made an accusation that one of the pair might have been at the party that Keith and Cassandra attended the night they disappeared. But this information has never been validated Wait, by any what other the hell source is he talking everywhere, about? anywhere. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> He's talking about the party that Keith and I know what I know to. what the party is. But and what he's saying that either that he heard from somebody that either Ron Little or Steve Blackman were at that party that night. That's what these old guys <laughs> was gonna be are at point. a teenage party. <laughs> I was gonna, my next sentence yeah, was, they wouldn't stand out at all. My next sentence was certainly men in their thirties would have stood out with the college-aged attendees. <laughs> And I, and as far as Fred Atwell goes, there is not, he is not a source to be believed in any sense. I know, why, I know why Blackman chose these two to be his accomplices. <laughs> <laughs> because so they're think, so stupid, there's no way they'll believe it's me. You think all three of them are in it together? I do. You think, maybe? But I'm telling you, people of Virginia, you really need to investigate your law enforcement better. <laughs> Do better background checks. <laughs> something. I mean, just something. Jeez. Now, like I said, I don't believe anything Fred Atwell says. And none of this points to Blackman or Little being a serial killer. The person that made Ron Little a suspect was, was Ron, Ron Little. Little. <laughs> He's the one that went to the media to brag that he was a suspect and had been questioned. And I don't know if oh he saw God. that as a way to drum up business for a security company or what. Uh, I don't know. Because don't my know. first thought is, is if you killed these people, I don't want you securing <laughs> anything I have. I don't know what the hell he was trying to. Like I said, he's either really stupid or he's guilty as hell. He's stupid. It's one I or think the other. No, no, he's both. You think he's stupid think and he's guilty? <laughs> I don't know what to make of that whole situation, but... Him and Atwell, put them in a room together. I can solve this. Put now, them in a room together and just let them shoot it out. Yes. One of them will end up dead. Now, he ended up being deported back to New Zealand before well, the... Well, gee, I wonder why. Before the last murder. Well, because, he, he, because he lied on his immigration paperwork and didn't tell them that he had been arrested in New Zealand and wasn't allowed to um, carry a firearm. Maybe because of suspicious activity. Yeah. Now, so he was deported before the last murder. That don't but mean that he didn't But if you're know. like me and don't and think that that murder really didn't have wasn't connected, right? Then it really doesn't put a hole in the argument that he could be guilty of the other ones. And it could be Blackman too. Yeah. And Blackman said, "You know what? He's doing all this shit. I can do better by myself." <laughs> Get his ass out of here. <laughs> True. Even though, you know, the profiler said that he didn't think it would continue after still the, got, after the still... last Dominic person left. But which it is could. exactly what he said. But it and could. This last but Dominic he still person, had Atwell. Well, my point is that if the last murders, 
Anna Maria and Daniel weren't connected to the other ones, then it was exactly what he said. When the less dominant one left, being deported, then the then black men found it too risky to get somebody else to help him and didn't think that he could control the situation without a second person, so that's why the murders stopped. Like it could be. So I'm just putting that out there. But he still theory. had Atwell. Atwell would have But I don't happily. think they knew each other until... The only reason Atwell even said anything was because they had already brought themselves into this investigation. They didn't know each other, I don't think. Hell, they I, may have. They I don't probably, know for sure. <laughs> but, they all hang out in the same bar. <laughs> they just don't want you to know that. But the reason Atwell made a comment about it was because Little had already brought himself into the investigation before, no, just before, bring, the, before all the murders had even been committed. He didn't even just bring himself into the investigation. He pretty much just told everybody, <laughs> I did this. Hey guys, it's me. <laughs> I did it. I did this. Wouldn't Look, it be a bunch of shit if he actually was the I one mean, that really, did it? I mean, really. I'm just saying that it, you know, it, if the profiler is correct and we own, and we have doubt, or I have doubts that the last set of murders is connected to these at all, then yes, the profiler was right. If 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 it's little and black men, the less dominant one left. The most dominant one stopped after that. Just saying. I now. just cannot believe the law enforcement <laughs> in the state. And I d- <laughs> well, it's not like that anymore, I'm sure. But this was the 1980s, and you know that law enforcement like that was, it was like that everywhere. It was like that everywhere. And the 90s and the 2000s, yeah. apparently. Yeah. So, a few other suspects have been floated around over the years, including an individual named Ralph Leon Jackson. What's up with these three names for serial killers? Yeah, they all, well, it's because Most like, of your them. name's Ted Bundy. So, you, you're another Ted Bundy. Or Ted Bundy really didn't have three names. Who's somebody? John Wayne Gacy. Your name's John Gacy. You don't. You want people to know John Wayne Gacy because your middle name's not Wayne. So, if somebody just says you're John Gacy, then it's just to distinguish them from regular normal people who might have the same name that's why simple answer okay that's stupid <laughs> no it makes i mean because actually. i think we can distinguish you you're the one going around killing little boys and stuffing them <laughs> under your house but if you don't hear if you do seriously if you don't hear the wayne then you know that's not the person it's just that's just regular john gacy he's not Killing boys and hiding them. How many John Gacy's are there out there? I bet there's a lot. There's Well, probably now because people name their kids after Nobody's naming their kid John Gacy. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to Ralph. So Jackson was a 57-year-old who was arrested in 2010 for events that had transpired in April of that year. 27-year-old Timothy Davis had been out on a date with Christina Floyd, who was 19 at the time. Okay. And together, the two were watching the sunset at Rock Point Overlook on the Blue Ridge Parkway in Western Virginia. How sweet. Now, this is about three hours west of the Colonial Parkway. Okay. They were attacked by Jackson, who fired a shotgun at the pair. He immediately hit Davis in the head, causing the young man to fall more than 200 feet off of a nearby cliff. He didn't feel it. Jackson then attacked 19-year-old Floyd, whose lung had been punctured by a, gunshot, by a gunshot blast, and a brief assault followed the gunshot, during which Floyd was pushed off of a small cliff and then pelted with rocks that he was throwing at her. 
Floyd managed to survive fleeing the scene and contacting authorities, ultimately leading investigators to Ralph Leon Jackson. Jackson, who lived nearby, was married with two children, having previously served in the Army. He was described as a quiet man that usually kept to himself. Jackson would later confess, but he placed blame for the attack on a male enhancement cream, which he claimed had clouded his mind at the time. That is the best <laughs> alibi I have ever All heard. All the blood was rushing from my brain. I don't know what I was doing. I couldn't see straight. All my blood was in my other head, man. <laughs> I mean, you alibi. can't argue with it. No, you can't. <laughs> best one yet. Oh my Jesus. In 2011, Jackson was sentenced to life in prison plus 35 years. He has never been officially linked to the Colonial Parkway murders, but due to his age, the proximity to the crimes, and the fact that he attacked the young couple in an isolated area along a scenic parkway, I mean, it could be him. Could be. Possibly. Or he could have just been thinking with his dick and not his head when <laughs> he killed somebody. Well, I mean, if that's the way you act when you're got a heart on I know there's now, something wrong with you i know now why you didn't have a woman to take care of that problem with your <laughs> male enhancement cream he had a wife he was married with but, uh, but if you're killing people when you use a male <laughs> enhancement cream would you want him around you i don't know probably not okay now another suspect that investigators have looked into over the past couple of decades is former Virginia State Trooper John Walter Ball. Okay, so we've got the state police so far mm -hmm. with one that's bad. We've mm -hmm. got the city police. Mm -hmm. Now we've got. Do we have a sheriff's deputy? We had a sheriff's deputy, didn't we? Yeah, um, Atwell. So we've almost got all of you covered. <laughs> now in August of 1990. Trooper Ball, that's just what I'm going to call him. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> he was shot and killed while attempting to rob a convenience store in King William County. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. <laughs> so he was not shot and killed during a robbery. No, he was shot. Yeah, he was shot and killed during a robbery in which he was the robber. <laughs> Well, no, because if you say that the police officer was shot and killed during the robbery, that could mean that he was killed trying to stop it. No. No, no. no. no okay. No, that's not the case in here. He was shot and killed because he was robbing. Right. Robbing. What are killed. you... <laughs> oh, my good Lord. Now, because he seemed to fit the profile of the Parkway killer... Everybody in Virginia pretty much fits the profile of the Parkway killer. some way. He was a violent offender with a history in law enforcement. Especially if you're in law enforcement. <laughs> and his death in 1990 would explain why the Parkway spree, killer spree came to an end in 1989. I'm just saying. I ain't saying, I'm just saying. What do you think? I'm, I'm, <laughs> remind me. Okay, I'm... <laughs> Never mind. She, speaks, she can't even put words together. I can't. In, to form a sentence. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> now, in 2018, it was announced via social media from a page that's monitored by Bill Thomas 
that DNA from three of the four crime scenes was in the process of being tested by the FBI. Okay. So that's good. Yes. But that was 2018. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, details have been scarce about this testing in the years since. We still don't know what three crime scenes the samples were taken from, although I think that we have to assume it was the three in which the bodies were found. You think? I would think. Even though they haven't confirmed that, I'm just putting that, I'm just saying that I'm just using, you know... Well, now, my brain and there could have been some DNA on the floorboard of that car. There could have been DNA in that car. Yes, I agree. But my, I'm just assuming, and I may be making jumps here and assumptions that I don't, I don't know need how to much be. they would get off the two <laughs> that come out of the water, though. But I just think that it was the three of where the bodies were found. That's all I'm saying. I mean, how much would they get out of off of the ones that come out of the water? I don't know. Depends that on would what be. it was. Depends on where it was, I guess. We also still do not know if those samples were consistent with each other. So we don't know. Tell me something. <laughs> we don't. Y'all know. don't seem to mind telling y'all y'all's convictions and all that. So why don't y'all tell us what's going on? Y'all ain't got to give it all away. Just tell us. Well, maybe they're working on it. Maybe they're. Maybe they do have a profile and they're using genealogy or something to break this case. Because that's been that was eighteen. So that's been three years. No, that's been four years. It's still twenty twenty one. Which would be three years if it was twenty eighteen. Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna count it. I'm not <laughs> now, officials have said there are still more than 130 suspects in this case. Uh, I didn't go uh, over all 130 of them, okay? Because they haven't named all don't. 130 of let's them. Please don't, because it's getting worse every time <laughs> we go over one. I think I'm pretty much to the point where my head's gonna explode. <laughs> Now, none of these suspects have panned out over the past 34 years, but all remain valid, this is coming from the FBI, all remain valid possibilities for prosecution. But I don't see the possibility of prosecution as a reason to keep a a case closed or open. I don't believe that cases should be closed if the only reason for closing it is that it's so cold there's no possibility of the guilty party being prosecuted. For me, I mean, in my opinion, that shouldn't be the determining factor no. whether you investigate a case or not. No. It's about justice and bringing a murderer's name to light. Yeah, that's what you need to do because even bringing their name will give that family right. closure. Whether they can be prosecuted or not, they know who done it. Right. They know what happened. And, and that's that's the thing. You need to still get in touch with the Russians to see if they have any evidence. <laughs> right? Of those I know, right? Are. We exactly. still haven't heard anything on that. My gosh. So, and, and in that point, going back to the point about the family wanting to know, Bill Thomas was quoted in a 2019 article from New York Times, and he said, quote, I don't care if he's dead. I want to know who he is. Right. They just want to know right. who took their loved one from right. them. It's just like when you have a loved one that dies in their sleep. You want to know why. Yeah. It's just human nature. You want to know. For closure, you have to know for your mind. So, what do you think? You still I don't even, I don't even know anymore. I'm I'm still I told you I was going to throw you for a loop. <laughs> I'm still I still think there's a possible I do still think there's a possibility they're connected. I think that the first I guess my final answer 
you know, I don't even. I think I don't even know. I don't think they're connected. That's I what think I'm going to go with. I think that the, that that possibly are. I I just think there's, there's just too many too other many, possibilities. There's a, other possibilities, but there's too many similarities. I just like I said, I go back maybe and not forth the on, maybe not the ask, last one, maybe not the fourth one. I don't. The first I, three. If, if the first three are connected, I don't think the fourth one is connected at all. I, I will give. I will give everybody that maybe not the fourth one. I don't think it's connected. But those first three, and then that one in eighty four, eighty four, and then the one in ninety six wouldn't really because there's really no similarities. Yeah, I mean I don't. But know. there's simul- There's tons of similarities to the first to the Thomas Dowski case. Yeah. I mean, that's, Which could still be the same person. He just but why in he, a different area. Why would he go back? Why would he? Okay, if if that if the Thomas Dowski murder was his first murder, okay, and then he did all these other murders where he changed his mo. Why would he go back to his first mo? Because ten years the, later, because he's stupid. <laughs> that's not an answer. Why do people who kill people do? I anything? don't know. I mean, I that, that know. is that's the what we're biggest, here to figure out, right? That is the biggest question that will probably never be answered. Yeah. Why do they even do it anyway? So there is no answer for why they would have changed mo's. There's no answer of why they would have killed. Well, they're in their mind. There is an answer. We're, in we're their not mind, know but what I'm talking about. Was. We're not ever going to know that. Yeah. That's not something we're ever going to know. All right, so I'm so you're going with they're connected, yeah. That all of them are connected. Well, not all of them. I'm gonna say well, there's I I think there's a slight possibility the fourth one could be connected, but it's not as much of a possibility as the other three being connected. I'm gonna say they're not connected. Ask me again in an hour, and I'll probably have changed my mind because I go back and forth on this so much. But I'm gonna say no. That there's evidence that there was other motives for the for the other ones, I and mean, that's well, where, yeah. So, all right. So our sources for this um, a book, a special kind of evil by Blaine L. Pardo and Victoria Hester, the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page that I always talk about, um, the news segments from WAVY TV, Wavy TV, Wavy, Wavy, and Thirteen News Now. Interviews with Bill Thomas on numerous podcasts, um, Wikipedia, and then the series you I watched the other day. Wikipedia, yeah, I Are told you, you sure that. I told true? you, I told you this last episode that Bill Thomas said that they go in there and make sure that the okay, information so he does it. He, he him does and it. other family members, okay, do make okay. sure that the information posted there is accurate. They check the one on it. Wikipedia, they check it. the one Wikipedia thing right. you can look up that's actually true. <laughs> he has stated that publicly that yes, it is correct. Okay, then. And the series Lovers Lane Murders on Oxygen Network that premiered a couple of weeks ago. It seems like, I'm sorry, and I'm just totally going off the wall here, but it seems like there was like a movie about this at some point. Am I just losing my mind and it's something maybe similar? Maybe it's something similar. Honestly, I don't know. I could just be losing it. Maybe I had had a dream about it. I don't know. All right. Well, it's time for your favorite part of the show. Uh, it's time for Monday Moron. Here you go. That's our new theme song for that. Oh I just made God. it up. Yay. Monday Moron. Yay. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna. I'm going to tell you a little story. Oh, Lord. This is the story of Anthony Akers of Richland, Washington. Okay, Anthony. Who, 
who was wanted by the Richland, Richland Police Department. Okay. Okay. So to find him, as police departments are doing these days, they posted a photo of Acres on their social media page asking mm-hmm. if anyone had any tips on his whereabouts. Right. Sounds feasible so Right. Far. No, you're with me so far. I'm, I'm this, there. This happens every day, right? Uh-huh. Now, because Anthony is a total badass, oh, yes. he responded sure he to is. the post, quote, <laughs> calm down, I'm going to turn myself in. <laughs> and because whoever runs the Richland Police Department social media account is also a badass, they kept the conversation going when he had not turned himself in yet. They said, hey, Anthony, we haven't seen you yet. <laughs> hey, man, what's up? Acres kept the party going by saying, tying up a couple loose ends since I will probably be there for a month. Should be there in the next 48 hours. <laughs> not like now, that. This is funny. When Acres still did not turn himself in, the police department asked, is it us? <laughs> <laughs> I like these people. Acres, who was apparently feeling guilty about standing the police department up, wrote, Dear RPD, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) I obviously have commitment issues. I apologize for standing you up, but let me make it up to you. I will be there no later than lunchtime tomorrow. I know you have no reason to believe me after what I did to you, but I promise that if I don't make it on my own by lunchtime tomorrow, I will call for a ride to assist me with my commitment issues. Thank you in advance to your response if you are patiently giving me another chance with us. I know I don't deserve it. (laughs) P.S. You're beautiful. (laughs) This is the greatest thing I've ever read. Now, thankfully, the last chapter of that book ended with Akers taking a selfie and posting, Here for our date, sweetheart. Just as he was walking into the police department. God bless social media. (laughs) That was freaking awesome. (laughs) Is that not the greatest thing? Everybody involved in that is is amazing. I don't know what he did or what he was wanted for, but since he was only going to be in county for a month, it probably couldn't have been something too terrible, probably bad checks or something. So that was that was amazing. That was awesome. <laughs> Everybody involved in that, you have my respect. Yay. <laughs> Everybody involved in that. <laughs> so I like you know. that. Is it us? <laughs> Is it us? <laughs> no, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> so that's our, and I hate even calling that a Monday moron because he's not a moron. No, that was that, that was just <laughs> that's just a funny story about a criminal. I'm sorry, (laughs) but you know, if every criminal could be that entertaining, (laughs) wouldn't life be more fun? I bet they'd be be. a lot less stressed out. They would. I mean, because he was just taking it all in stride. Like, hey, man, look, I'm going. I I, I got this. Calm down. I'm going to turn myself in. Now, remember, you can email us at onecrimeatatime at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at OneCrimePod on all of those. Um, if you're out there, hello, Mr. Akers, hello. hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Now, <laughs> and the biggest thing you can do to help us out is 
go rate us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We yes, would greatly, please. greatly appreciate so it. So she can read one a week. Yeah, right, one a week. That's her. We'll have like 10,000 and she'll read that's one a week. That's exactly right. That's, that's, that's my promise. One. <laughs> so until next week, remember to only dive into one crime at a time. Bye. Bye.